Well, we're living through a dynamic and evolving situation. It's a crazy time where so much is going on and we're experiencing rapid and unprecedented change. And I've noticed this week in particular that the imagery of World War II has been invoked. Connections have been made. Our national cabinet has been called this week the War Cabinet. C.S. Lewis was a man who lived in Britain during World War II and he addressed students back in 1943. And as he addressed these students through their anxiety with all that was going on for Britain in the imminent threat of the invasion of Germany from the Nazis, C.S. Lewis said that the war, the Second World War, in fact, hadn't changed anything Really, he said the war, and I quote, only aggravates the permanent human situation so we can no longer ignore it. See, what C.S. Lewis is saying, even in Britain during that great time of change and uncertainty, he's saying that life is never normal. Even in extraordinary circumstances, it is never normal. Life has always been lived for humanity on the edge of a precipice. And who knows what's on the other side of this crisis that we're in. God does, but we don't. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to remind us of three truths that throughout a time of rapid change, a time of uncertainty... I want to remind us of three truths that aren't going to change, that are important, indeed are vital for us at any time, but especially at this time. And those three truths are these. Firstly, the first truth that I want us to consider is that we are in need of prayer. The second one is that Jesus isn't distant. And the third one is that Jesus is king. So firstly, that we are in need of prayer. That's what hasn't changed. With everything that's gone on in the last two weeks, and indeed the last six weeks, we are still in need of prayer. People who are desperate pray. And the reality of our situation is that we are moving in a context that is becoming increasingly desperate. And the reality of prayer, I think, is opening up to many in our world because the structures and the things that we place so much hope and trust in, we are finding to be false hopes. We're in need of prayer. And our world is in need of prayer. Our world has always been as we have always been in need of prayer. That's why last week I was so encouraged as we gathered together as a church online last Thursday night. It was a great time of encouragement when I announced it this time last Sunday. I didn't know how it would quite happen or if it would even happen. But God did. And he worked amongst us. Uh, to bring about the circumstances where over 25 of us were able to gather to pray on Thursday night. And it was such an uplifting time, as I'm sure those who participated were uh, encouraged. It was a really very encouraging time, and I've been thinking about why it was so encouraging. 
And firstly, uh, I think it was so encouraging because when people pray, you hear their hearts. You know what? You can be sitting right next to someone, uh, you know, in human proximity. And you can not know what's on their heart. But often when you hear someone pray, you hear what's on their hearts. And so at this time, as we long for intimacy and connection, praying together, I think, is one of those extraordinary blessings. It's an extraordinary blessing outside of these situations, but I think it's an immense blessing at this time of separation because we hear what's on each other's hearts. We connect on a deep and spiritual level. And so I want us to see the blessing of coming together as God's people to pray. That's firstly why I think it was such an encouragement. The second reason why I think it was such an encouragement is that we can approach God with confidence. I reminded those who gathered with us to pray of a verse that I think in God's kindness was made um, for a time like this. We might put it up on the screen. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, and it says, Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. I can't believe how apt and fitting a verse like that is. A verse for us at the moment. A moment of need. And here is the beautiful thing about the gospel of the Lord Jesus. That in this time of need, in this time of uncertainty, we can have the confidence to come to the God of the universe because of the blood of Jesus. Because his death has taken anything that would separate us from God. In fact, God has brought us close to him, so close that we are now his sons and daughters. And as sons and daughters, they speak to their father. And their father wants them to receive mercy and grace. God is the one who gives mercy. And we will find grace. We will find his help and his kindness as we come to him. So I want to ask us to continue to pray. And that's why we're going to pray again in the same way that we did last Thursday. Uh, but not this Thursday, but the Thursday after on the 9th of April. That's the Maundy Thursday at 7.30pm. It'll be time of open prayer for our nation, for our church and for each other. The other thing I'd like to say about prayer is we're going to offer another opportunity during the week in the morning to pray. We're going to start this Tuesday, the 31st of March at 10am in the morning. And we're going to have a look at Psalm 91. We're going to have a look at the Psalms. And we're going to use the Psalms as an opportunity to respond in prayer together. So that's next Thursday, the 9th of April, this Tuesday, the 31st of March. There'll be times for us to continue to pray. Well, the second truth that's not going to change is that we are not distant from Jesus because he is not distant from us. We're in this time of social distancing. I don't think anyone really used that phrase before the last six weeks. But I want to remind us this morning that Jesus does not do social distancing. We do, because we're not Jesus. But Jesus does not do social distancing. 
We do it because it's the right and loving thing for us to do as limited human people. But Jesus doesn't do social distancing. We at this time are not distant from Jesus because he's not distant from us. And we need to be reminded that what we're going through at the moment, as much as it is unprecedented, as difficult as it is for many, this current reality that we experience as a nation and indeed as a world is nothing new to Jesus. You only have to look at the pages of Scripture. From the very first pages of Scripture, disease has been around since Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden. And it was a diseased world that Jesus entered. The world was wracked with disease. And yet, it didn't stop Jesus coming. It didn't stop Jesus entering our world in human flesh. It didn't stop him from coming. And it doesn't stop him from being close to us in the power of his Holy Spirit. We're going to begin a series looking at the Gospel of Matthew. We'd planned this some months ago before all the coronavirus um, pandemic hit. And I've been thinking about it over the last couple of weeks. Should we do something different uh, given the enormity of what we're experiencing as a church, as a nation and as a world? And I thought about it and I thought, I don't think we could do anything better as a church each week to gather around the words of the Lord Jesus to hear what hope and what comfort he has for us. And so we're going to continue um, as planned our series looking at the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew is an intriguing gospel. It's a gospel, it's the longest gospel of the four books that are written about the life of Jesus. And so there is plenty of material there for us to hear what Jesus has to say, to hear his encouragement. There's just one I want to draw your attention to this morning. I want to remind us that Jesus was the one who came. And he came into our world, as I've said, a world racked and suffering the effects of disease. But that wasn't enough for Jesus just to come into our world. He came to people. He came right up to people. He came to people in order to touch them, to be with them, and to be close to them. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 3, we read that Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. That was a man with leprosy. That was a man who was excluded, cut off from others. And yet, Jesus is the man that comes, and Jesus is the man that enters this leper's life. And as Jesus reach out, reaches out his hand, he touches the man and he says, be clean. And Matthew records that immediately he was cured of leprosy. Jesus isn't distant from those in need. Jesus offers his hand of healing. He offered his hand of healing to this man of leprosy. He offers his hand of healing to Peter's mother-in-law in Matthew chapter 8, verse 15. 
He doesn't just heal her in chapter 8, verse 15. He touched her hand and her fever left. As Jesus was helping a young woman later on in Matthew chapter 9, a bleeding woman comes up to him, a woman who was excluded and marginalised, who no one could touch. She came to Jesus and touched him. And yet Jesus doesn't exclude her. Jesus heals her because Jesus is coming close to people to bring healing. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, Jesus touches two blind men. He touches them in the place of their discomfort and their disease. He touches their eyes, we read in Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 36, it's the sick who beg, who beg those around Jesus just to let them touch him. And again, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 34, another two blind men Jesus touches. Do you see the picture that Matthew is painting for us? It's not one of Jesus who's just entered our world as incredible as that is. It's the Jesus who has entered people's lives. And he's entered not perfect lives, not the perfect life of the religious, of the unclean. He's entered the lives of those who are struggling, of those who are distant, of those who are desperate for his healing and he stretches out his hand. He embraces people who need him and he touches them. You know that kid's song, he's got the whole world in his hands? I've been thinking about it. Jesus does have the whole world in his hands. And they are hands that are cradling the world. They are hands that are securing the world. And they are hands that seek to heal those in need. Those who cry out. I wonder, at this time, if we are crying out to the Lord Jesus... If we are coming to him with all that is burdening us and are asking him to take our burden upon his shoulders. And for those that we know who aren't trusting the Lord Jesus, I wonder if this is a significant time for many in our community to let go of the frail and fake that they have held for so long. And to see that Jesus is the one who offers life, who offers healing, who offers forgiveness. And he offers it freely through his death. There's an article uh, this week in an American publication, publication called The Atlantic about Francis Collins, who's the national director of the Institute of Health in the U.S. Now, um, for those who are scientists, Francis Collins is, is a rock star of science and research, and he recalls in the article how he grew up on a farm, and his parents sent him along to church, but they sent him to the choir just to sing in it, not to really learn anything too religious, but just to learn the music. It was a way of learning music, and so his father said, "Don't, don't listen to anything else. Just sing 
the hints. And so that's what he did. He ignored uh, what he heard in church growing up. And then he was a medical student, a young medical student. And what he had, what, what he had decided as a kid in order to reject, in order in rejecting the faith, the Christian faith, he was brought to a moment of crisis at the, de- at the bedside of the dying. He knew that he needed more. He needed answers. He knew that he was becoming increasingly desperate for truth, for a healing that he couldn't offer or his colleagues could. And so he read a book by C.S. Lewis and became a Christian. And he said this this week about his Christian faith. He said, I think I've also arrived at a place where my faith has become a really strong support for dealing with life struggles. It took me a while, I think, that sense that God is sufficient and that I don't have to be strong in every circumstance. See, the reality for us as Christian people is we realise in a situation like this that we are not strong. We are not whole. We are not perfect. And we need to come to the Lord Jesus, the one who heals us, the one who gives us strength in our weakness. People come to him when they're desperate, and these are desperate times, and so we need to pray that people in desperation would come to the Lord Jesus. Lastly, I want to remind us of a truth that's not going to change, and that is that Jesus is king. And really, that's what the whole gospel of Matthew is all about. It starts with the reality of Jesus being king. If you want to turn there, in chapter 1, verse 1, it starts in a very Jewish way. See, Jesus wasn't an innovator. He wasn't making things up from scratch. He had come to fulfill all that had gone before him in the Old Testament through the people of God and the promises of God. And so as the Old Testament ends, longing for promises to be fulfilled, the very first book in our New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, starts with the very start of the fulfilment of those promises. It says a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. See, David, Israel's great king, Israel's greatest king, was one for whom promises were made. And Matthew is saying, Matthew is alerting us as we open up the Gospel of Matthew, that here is Jesus, the one who fulfills the promises of the Old Testament. And this isn't just a method of prediction. It's not merely that the Old Testament said this would happen and the New Test- and in the New Testament life of Jesus it did happen. That is certainly true. But it's not simply prediction. It's fulfilment. It's that the whole course of history in, in everything that has been occurring And through the promises of the Old Testament, they find their fulfilment. They find their yes in the Lord Jesus. That's what the Gospel of Matthew is about. It's about 
Jesus' fulfilment of the promise of the expectation of a king who will come and rescue his people. But it's not an easy promise for us to believe. It's not an easy promise for us to understand. And that's what the Gospel of Matthew is about as well. It's about people struggling to believe that Jesus is Lord. From our reading today, we see that Simon Peter is asked a question by Jesus. He's asked a question in verse 15 of Matthew chapter 16, Who do you say I am? And Peter replies, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. See what Peter's reply is? Peter's reply is that Jesus is the king. He's the king that was spoken about in the Old Testament. He is David's son. But in order to be able to confess that reality, something needs to happen. We don't confess that Jesus is king over our lives by nature. We only confess this by the work of his spirit. And so Jesus acknowledges that that this in verse 17 was not revealed by man, but was revealed by God. And so if we are going to grow in our trust of the Lord Jesus in this time, we're going to need to ask God by his spirit to grow our faith. We're going to need to ask him to have mercy on those who don't know Jesus as the king, the king who offers healing. And lastly, we see the Gospel of Matthew close with a declaration of the lordship and the kingship of Jesus. We're at the very last section, a famous section in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus says that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. See, Jesus is the promised king who has come into a world of disease, but he's come into a world of disease to heal, to heal our diseases and ultimately to heal our sin. He's come into our lives because he is Lord of all. He is king over all. The Father has given him authority over everything. And so we come to Jesus because he heals. But we come to Jesus ultimately because he is the king over this world. He rules this world. He controls our world. And as his people, it is right that we come to him in trust. I'm going to pray that God might allow us to continue to come to the Lord Jesus to confess his kingship and to know that he brings healing to our world. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that the book of James tells us that blessed is the person who perseveres under trial. We ask, Father, that we might stand the test that we experience at this moment and receive the crown of life that you have promised to all those who love him. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue to pray and Ken's going to lead us in prayer.